0: At that point, he started grooming me to find more friends, um, to get more involved. And so that's what we did. And uh, next thing I knew, I was bringing in other kids from the neighborhood. And we continued doing what I had been doing before. And we just kind of started to build on that. And this whole time, because my parents were busy with their business, they didn't know what was going on. So I had this whole secret hidden life from them that unfortunately they couldn't have even known about. Um, most of the time, by the time they were getting home that evening, I was home and they thought everything was fine. Fast forward years later and my, con- my behavior is just continuing. Um, and when I say years later, about the time I was 14, um, <laughs>
1: What's up? Welcome to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. And if this is your first time, and if you're returning, welcome back. Today is March 12th. Happy Easter. Uh, By the time you hear this, it'll be the day after Easter. Got a couple of things. If you want to support the show, whatever podcast platform you listen to, rate, review, and tell a friend. If somebody you know could uh, benefit from hearing some of the episodes that you've heard or are currently hearing, tell a friend. Refer somebody. Word of mouth is the best uh, business you can get. Uh, Other ways you can support the show, you can go to the link tree down at the bottom of the show notes and follow that to our merchandise page. Uh, We are now selling merchandise. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, poster art. through a company called TeePublic, and it's a drop ship deal. Uh, It's the only thing that I could kind of do right now, uh until figure out a way to get some more fundings coming in through here we also have a Patreon page that's being constructed uh right now almost done i still got some things that i got to uh, work out on it uh, as far as perks go but that's uh on the way and that'll be another way you can help support the show this week's show it will be number i believe it's going to be the number 30 i have another one that's supposed to come out with Eric Maddox from the Latitude Adjustment Podcast, but I had to throw this one in front of it because the one that I had uh, edited and ready to go with him, I'm still waiting on the approval for the ad that I got hired to read, uh, or the show got hired to read, so... I don't know if it'll, if they'll be back and approved by tomorrow, which is, you know, my release date or it should have, would have been, but either way, I'm going to release this one. And even if I get the approval tomorrow, I'm going to, uh, I'll release that one as well. So you may be getting two episodes, uh, tomorrow or today, today, (laughs) this is Sunday that I'm doing it. And I'm talking about tomorrow being Monday when I release those episodes got starting to confuse myself there for a second. But this episode is very unique. Honestly, I don't know if this has even been done yet to be 100% honest. I mean, I think I mean it's got to have been done. I don't I can't see how it couldn't have not been done, but then again I could also see how it could not have been done. The three gentlemen that I'm interviewing or talking with today is they're actually incarcerated in a in a prison facility somewhere. I don't I don't even know where they are. I didn't ask. But they have a cell phone that they have that's a contraband item and they're able to well one of them I friend I'm I'm an admin for a podcast group on Facebook. The people that request usually I'll look and I'll see, you know, if they're podcasters or if they're uh listeners. Uh I friend request them and in, ho- you know, trying to, A, that's my audience, listeners of podcasts and podcasters. And then also it's helping me to grow my following on, on Facebook. So I friend requested Jimmy and he got back to me and I guess he looked at my profile and saw some of the, uh, that I was a podcaster and and listened to one of the episodes and then he reached out to me and kind of told me his situation and where he's at and uh yeah we set up a time to do a zoom meeting which i obviously didn't record the the video portion of it for the obvious reasons but nonetheless it was a, a pretty good talk with three guys uh two of them are doing 20, 20 plus uh each and the other one is doing a life sentence term we talk about redemption. we talk about their uh charges because two of them are kind of kind of uh unique circumstance charges and I'll let you decide for yourself um i had i I had some questions uh but I mean it's a uh, it, the subject is is difficult because it's it's such a gray area and I believe the two charges were uh statutory rape you know they were dating minors while they were you know, older. And I mean, you know, back, I think in our parents' days, that was kind of, I mean, it wasn't as big of a deal as it kind of is now. I mean, as a father myself of a daughter, I mean, I, 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 I get it, but I mean, I don't know what I would do until I was, until I was put in that situation. You know, I, I don't know if I would freak out and call the cops or, you know what I mean? I just, I'd like to think that I wouldn't, but who knows? So, I mean, it, it was—it's a thought-provoking in uh, conversation for sure, to say the least. It's a little lengthy, about uh, almost two hours. Audio—I tried to clean it up as much as I could, but the audio in some areas, because they're in—they're in a prison, so it—it kind of crackles uh, a little bit. I tried to remove it. But, I mean, I got it as good as I can. I just figured the uniqueness of the interview itself will override the the minor audio uh, difficulties. So, anyways, uh, let's get to the show. Hey, this is Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today's kind of a unique situation. uh, and. I'm not gonna explain it. It'll explain itself as I uh introduce my or let my guest introduce himself. So uh hey Sal, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good considering. Uh I mean everybody's kind of in your situation now <laughs> by force. Not I mean I yeah. aside that we can leave, but I mean, you know what I mean, it's uh the whole the whole world damn near is is locked is locked down in their homes yes that's
2: definitely um because you guys are in uh, what they call it self-quarantine self-isolation yeah we've been uh me and my buddies here, noodles and jimmy we've been in uh judicial isolation for <laughs> for a while
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's the interesting part of this, uh, this interview. Um, it, uh, you know, I've, I've been in that situation myself, definitely not as much time, uh, you know, but just being, being introduced into that environment in itself is a traumatic experience, you know, and especially for three years, cause you, you, you kind of don't, it's like you're getting introduced to it and you're just getting used to it. And then you're getting out. So there's, there, there's no, there's no, you know what I mean? There's no getting, for me, it was no getting used to it. It was, uh, I hadn't got to that point yet. Right. Good. Understood. <clears throat> um, yeah, So, I mean, for most people that are incarcerated and are spending uh, time in prison, you know, there's a lot of things that, that ha- that, Lead up to that point, right? You don't just, you know, leave the house or, you know, well, sometimes you do, uh, and, and, and that happens. But I mean, a lot of times there's, you know, things that, that happen in your childhood and your, your upbringing, um, you know, missteps that have have, that have happened, uh, you know, in, 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 you know, your, the parenting of, of kids. So, I mean, explain a little bit about, your situation uh without giving too many details um you know because we we don't want to compromise your situation you're taking a risk by even doing this so
2: right um i'd say uh let's see it started the kid the kid portion of it you said
1: yeah you don't have to i mean just brief brief overview you know what i mean was there addiction was there drugs was there you know what i mean what 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 was the thing that, that took you down?
2: Uh, I you know what's sexual in nature, but in terms of um, the uh,
0: upbringing, I, it felt pretty normal. Do you want me to jump in since mine started with the upbringing? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Sean, this is uh, Jimmy. Um, so I think that mine, I can definitely point to my childhood and start there. So uh, I'm actually going to jump in and take the lead. Okay. On, uh, that.
1: And so we're talking so, to Jimmy right now. So go ahead.
0: All right. So um, for me growing up, you know, I was moved around a lot. Um, we bounced from place to place in my first probably 14 years of my life. So I was never in one place too long. Um, are you getting me good on audio?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're great.
0: Okay. Um, so in one of the places that we lived, um, I made, I made some friends. Um, I made a friend with a guy, um, I, sorry, I'm stuttering here. Um, I made a friend with a brother and sister. They were my age. Um, and I would spend all my time with them. And I kind of latched onto these two because I was going to school in a different school district. I didn't know any of the kids in my area. So for me to have a friend at that point, we latched on and we uh, we grew really close really quick. Um, both of my parents were very new into their businesses and they were never home um, up until seven or eight o'clock every night. So I pretty much was there to take care of myself And that turned into me spending all my time at my friend's house. So their parents were going through the same kind of thing. Their mother was a car dealer um, or car salesperson and their dad was a painter. And so they were gone at the same amount of time. Um, But it worked out because they had a babysitter. was a family friend this guy was trusted among the uh among the neighborhood everybody knew him but what was going on behind closed doors was not what everybody thought um so you can imagine without getting into details where that's going um so essentially you know from 6 to 10 we Basically, we were thrown into the world of sex really early. And, you know, when you hear this stigma of sexual abuse as a child, most people think that, oh man, you know, it must have been horrible. But for us, it wasn't. We, we, we enjoyed it. We had fun. And, you know, it was a game for us. Um, so it was something that it, sex was ingrained very early. Um, when we were about ten, this is kind of where I'm not sure what was going on on their end. um, but essentially, in the middle of the night, they packed up and moved. And uh, I haven't heard from them since. Um, but Steve was still there. He was still there, and I was still very active with him. And at that point, he started grooming me to find more friends, um, to get more involved. And so that's what we did. And, uh, next thing I knew I was bringing in other kids from the neighborhood and we continued doing what I had been doing before. And we just kind of started to build on that in this whole time, because my parents were busy with their business. They didn't know what was going on. So I had this whole secret hidden life from them that unfortunately they couldn't have even known about um, most of the time, by the time they were getting home that evening, I was home and they thought everything was fine. So fast forward years later and my my behavior is just continuing. Um, and when I say years later, about the time I was 14, um, the, Girl next door moved in. We started a relationship. Um <laughs> we we considered ourselves boyfriend and girlfriend, and uh basically started down that road. And that road is what led me here today. Um, my indictment goes back that far, believe it or not. And so that sexual addiction that started so early not only didn't end there but continued on for years. Um, and I think I talked to you about this a little bit before, but you know, it moved into my marriage. It destroyed my marriage. It broke my family apart and uh, eventually led to me being here where I'm at today.
1: So do you think like, cause I, I mean every, every kid, I'm not, I'm not going to say that every, every child, but, I'm I know for myself personally that when I was younger, I I mean, I got involved in the same kind of things, um, you know, and it was uh, a lot of it was cause, like, cause I did, I wasn't taught about sex um, by my mom or my dad or, you know, I never got that talk, the bird and bees thing. Um, but what, what, what we did have was uh, there was a, a next to across the street neighbor. They had a fort and in that fort, you know, we would be, they would let us go back and forth, you know, through the yard and go and hang out in there. And, uh, and, and we, there was, uh, what, what was it? There was porno picture, like, like pages from, uh, porn, you know what I mean? Like, uh, magazines. And that was what I first, uh, my first, uh, what would you say? Um, experience, you know what I mean? Seeing something like that, like, you know, and as children, what do kids do, man? they copy what they see, you know what I mean? If they see something. And so when I would get in a, uh, like a situation at, at the daycare center or whatever, we play house or play a doctor or, you know what I mean? And it's like, I would do what I would see in those, in those, uh, in those pictures, you know what I mean? Or at least attempt to try to, what I saw, And so, I mean, I never, I never really thought of my, you know, when I would think about it later on in life, it it was, uh, I mean, it it was, it was embarrassing because I think, um, you know, that you really weren't supposed to be doing something like that. And, uh, but I think every, I think kids just, I mean, that's, you explore, I mean, that's kind of how you figure things out. And, you know, sometimes it, it sticks and sometimes it doesn't, but when you're, uh, like it it wasn't anything that was forced on me. So that's why I don't think it stuck. You know what I mean? Uh, into adulthood, but it sounds like you were groomed into this from somebody that was a little bit older and then used the situation to benefit themselves, uh, sexually. Um, you know, and, and that's a little bit different,
0: you know? Right. And I think that that's the biggest difference there. And, you know, we talk about, the whole addiction thing mine became addiction because it was so fun and because it was i never got that talk from like you i never got that talk from my parents that this is wrong this is not okay and then when that talk did come around it was too late
1: yeah yeah um yeah, that's tough man uh and and you know what ends up happening you know when when people are, are exposed to something like that on in a forced way, you end up acting that out as an adult and it just, the cycle continues just like, just like uh physical abuse or mental abuse or, you know, what whatever it is that, that uh, somebody was put through nine times out of 10, maybe it might be a little bit less, but I'm just going to say nine times out of 10 that, that behavior uh, continues into adulthood and then they do the same thing, to other people right you know i I mean that's that's my experience with it um or from what i've heard you know what i mean and and all the situations that i've i've i know about so yeah i mean it's it's nothing i think i'm not ashamed of my past when it comes to something like that and it's like because i know i'm not like i know i'm not a homosexual all right i know i what i prefer and, right. you know, when I was out there using, you know what I mean? A lot of the things that I do, especially with methamphetamine, a, the, a lot of the things that you end up doing that you, you never would have done, you know what I mean? Had you not been under the influence of a, uh, of a substance like that. Right. You know, so I don't know. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's tough, man. Uh, You know, anything that's, that's sexual in nature and has to do with kids, man, that's a tough one.
0: Oh, it is. It is. And it doesn't take away from, um, what I'm here for now. And I think that that's the important part for me is I understand how I got here, but that's what I needed to understand of how I got to this situation, how I even got to that, because it's such a small portion of your life. Um, you know, I was active in the community. I was active in the church. I was active in all these things, but I had this whole hidden life going on. Um, my wife didn't know I was having an affair. Um, my parents didn't know I was having an affair. And, you know, things just... But like I said, you know, it, it's it's just hard to reach that point where you you realize that, you know if this had never happened to you, you would never be where you are today. And it's hard to get past that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that you talk about is that lowest point in your life. That is where my lowest point in my life was, was realizing where I'm at and how I got here and how I felt like I was not in control of my own destiny.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a, that's a tough part, but I mean, there's, there's, there's an even tougher part of that situation. Um, You know, when you got incarcerated and just, I mean, you, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what your charges are. I don't want you to tell me what your charges are, but I mean, if it's in the nature that I'm thinking uh, that creates a whole new set of problems for you. Correct. And I, I know personally Uh, how that goes, because when I was where I was, uh, they would literally tell you that they're touching down and if they don't, uh, if they don't PC up as soon as they hit, uh, intake and they decide that they want to try to come to general population, it's, it's not allowed, (laughs) not, not even by the guards you know? Right. So it's, uh, and, and there's no, and you don't get to explain yourself, you know what I mean? I mean, even, even, and, and that's kind of unfair in itself because I mean, there's always two sides to a story. I mean, you know what I mean? Unless, you know, you, there's brutality involved. I mean, you could you can go urinate in public and catch a, and catch a charge like that will label you.
0: Right. And, oh, go ahead. oh, yeah, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I was very lucky is I was able to come in because of my age coming in, I was able to come in and people pretty much nowadays know if somebody that's young comes in with a charge like that, they know that typically it's along the lines of what mine was, of just having a girlfriend that was too young. Yeah. oh um,
1: uh, did you, uh, did, did, did you experience, uh, anything at all? Um, you know what I mean? As far as pushback from, from the population in there?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so there, there's two instances that come to mind. Um, there was one, uh, both of them centered around roommates, um, where, when they find out and cause you don't come in and advertise like, Hey, this is what I'm here for. But when they find out, they feel like you've been hiding that from them. Um, and so both of them kind of got escalated real quick. But then because we had developed a friendship before that, both of them heard me out and both of them listened. And we sat down and went over the paperwork so I could show them, you know, this is why I'm here. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, I did that, too. I just didn't get caught. And yeah, yeah, for that sure. Was, that was one of the things that it took me years to realize I'm not unique and my situation's not unique. And it, it, it allowed me to create a voice for myself and to speak about what I'm here for and to be comfortable with discussing my situation because so many people are hiding that. And when they hear you to talk about it, they talk about it and find that relief that they haven't found in their, their years of lockup.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to thank you for being honest, you know what I mean? For your honesty and, uh, you know, being, uh, transparent. Um, you know, I always, I always thought about that. I mean, I never, I never, when, you know, cause when you're on the other side of it and you're not, and you're not, and you don't have those charges and you know, you've got the shot caller, you know, wh- whoever your unit is, uh, you know, telling you that, you know, what, what you need to go do or what needs to happen because you know how that goes, you know? Um, and so, you know you don't you don't you don't you don't know how you know uh how uh what's what I'm looking for man how how much how many other people are in your same situation you know what I mean where it wasn't something like a brutal attack in a park or you know whatever you hear in in the news which you know makes you think of what a, a rapist is you know what I mean right So, yeah. So what are you going to, you know, are, do you, is there a light at the end of the tunnel for you?
0: Uh, there is, there is, we have a couple people working on getting my sentence down to what it should be. Um, one of the problems with our justice system is the fact that if you take something to trial, you get the maximum sentence. And, uh, yeah, I have, I have some people behind me right now that are saying this is wrong this is wrong and he should never get more than 20 years for what happened. And so I do have light at the end of my tunnel.
1: Okay. And then when that, when that does happen, do you have uh and I'm, I'm going to get to your, your other guys, but I think what I'm doing is I'm going to do this short, like a short interview of each of you individually. Um So the other guys can follow this same, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about what you want to talk about, you're going to follow the same uh uh, f- uh form or uh whatever you want to call it uh that but, me and, me and Jimmy are doing so when you you know i the toughest thing that i found when i got out was um if you don't have a support system uh you know some p- family who, who are going to make sure that you know what i mean because they put a lot of they put a lot of expectations on you when you get out you know what i mean the from having to show up for a parole job this that you know what I mean uh, po it, it's almost designed to set you up to fail all right and this was in 2006 so I don't know if it's changed at all um but I, I doubt it you know what I mean? Everything is kind of put in place for a reason in our society and it's usually to benefit, uh, not us. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it's going to be tough, but I mean, it might be a little bit easier now since technology kind of makes things, uh, simpler. Um, you know, it might not be that difficult and, you know, I don't know what it, what are your, uh, what are your, are your, your, goals for yourself as far as like, you know, when, when that day does come.
0: Honestly, uh, it's scary to think about because you're right. that These things haven't changed that much. Um, and we see people coming in all the time on probation violations and parole violations for something that they should never be here for. Um, and that part scares me. Um, I worry constantly about, how I'm going to find a job, how I'm going to support my family. Um, you know, like you, I have children that, uh, I, I want to pay for, I want to be there for. And how do you do that? When people are not going to want to give you a job because either a, you're an incarcerated felon or you're a uh, returning citizen or whatever it is that they call you or be a sex offender. Um, So there's definitely that worry there. Um, I don't know about schools. If you can even go back to college to pick up a trade. Um, there's, There's things that there's a million questions that, unfortunately, I don't have the answers to.
1: Yeah. Well, you're not alone because there's a lot of people right now, almost everybody in the United States that doesn't know what's going on. You know what I mean? So you're probably in a, in a better situation right now than everybody else. Cause we're all, I mean, we don't, I'm not working. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a trade, you know, I'm, I'm in a union, but I mean, what, what am we going to go back to? You know, who knows right now? I mean, and, and who knows if there's going to be even, you know, if you've been listening to any of my episodes, I mean, you, you, you know where my thoughts are. You know, I'm, uh, right. and especially if you've been locked up and I think that's one of the main reasons why they take your gun rights away is because it, you've been, you see, cause you're, you hear other people and you talk to other people that have been there and, uh, it's a crooked system, you know? for how that how they get you in there you know the the coercion that happens that you know from the time you get locked up uh and this isn't i mean this is for i'm I'm just talking in general for you know once you get into you know they stack the charges on you so you can't get out and then they starve you once you get in there so you and and it's so uncomfortable that you know when they throw a deal at you you're like please give it to me And then that keeps their conviction rates up, which keep which which keeps the keeps the federal money flowing, uh, you know, which keeps the prisons filled. Uh it's and it's an industry, you know, private prisons. Uh that's a that's a a horrible thing. I went through uh Florence, Arizona when I was uh going from state prison to federal prison. And uh nine prisons are in this town and they're all private. So, I mean, you know, and, and don't get me started, you know, we're here, we're here to talk about you, but I mean, it's just, it, it's a horrible situation because the whole thing is designed to set you up to fail.
0: Right. And then the plea deal system needs to go out the window. Um I I remember the day of my trial, my DA went to my mother and threatened her that she was going to send me away for the rest of my life if I didn't take a plea deal. Huh. And D.A. shouldn't be allowed to do that.
1: Yeah, no, mine was in coercion with the uh, with the district attorney. So, I mean, it's like I caught him in a lie. He told me that because I knew my rights, you know what I mean? I was like, no, I'm not going to waive my right to a speedy trial. You have to go and, and, and uh, test the drugs. And I knew it wasn't going to happen in the, time, in the 60 days because of the backlog. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, no, I'm not going to waive my right to a speedy trial because if they don't have the drugs and are not tested by trial date, they have to throw the case out. Uh, and so they kept pushing it back and pushing it back. And I'm like, in my, my, uh, public defender was working with the, with the DA to try to keep pushing it out so we can get the drugs tested and they can get them in there. And, uh, and I caught him in a lie. And so I was like, damn. And so at that point I'm like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to go get a private attorney because you guys are trying to hang me out to dry for a first (laughs) offense.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's crazy, but the people don't know the public defenders are paid by the uh, same people that pay the DAs. The oh, They're yeah. working together. They they work together every day, and it's it's not right.
1: They're in the same office.
0: Right. Damn, damn near.
1: No. <laughs> they just have to. Hey, hey, you you know what I mean? I'll I'll trade you this this uh, plea deal for uh, this one here. <laughs>
0: Right. I, I was told coming into my county jail that if I did not have a hundred thousand dollars to defend myself with, that I was going to prison, and it was true.
1: Mm, yeah, I know. It, I yeah, I, it, it's a it's a it's a horrible system. It needs to be reformed. The the whole everything everything that we do needs to be updated. You know what I mean across the board from government to prisons to, mean, uh, just everything that we do is just outdated. And it, and, and that's part of the problem that we're at right now. You know what I mean? Technology has moved way further, um, than the ability to govern it, you know? So,
3: right.
1: all right. Uh, Sal, you're up. Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, Hey, yeah um yeah my situation is a little bit of
2: pretty much uh, in terms of the childhood aspect of it's pretty close to uh, Jimmy's um but not I I guess not as severe yeah but um
1: so what what yeah, uh, but, uh, you you have yeah you know you're you're obviously in there for a, a a sex offense as well uh is that am I right and assuming that yes that is correct okay um and so you've had some of those uh those experiences uh in childhood that we all do everybody everybody plays house and doctor <laughs> you yeah,
2: play house and doctor and uh you know the thing is that uh i guess now being older you kind of realize that the uh, the brain is a is pretty good at forming habits and sticking to them
1: yeah, well I well, I, th- I think a lot of it is just, you know, things get imprinted on us at certain points in our life and uh especially you know when it comes to to that. Uh so I mean it's everybody everybody's situations a little bit different, you know, um and it uh and, I mean there's no one size fits all to anything. You know, you can, you can, you can look at that with diet. You can look at that with, uh, health. Um, you know, the, we'll just stay diet for instance, you know, what, what may work for me won't work for you. You know, I may be successful at doing this diet and, you know, cause my body is, is okay for it. And I try to go to another one and that one just doesn't work at all. You know, we're, we're all different. Um, we all make mistakes. Uh, even, I mean, even the, the, you know, I mean, it, it when you, when you say sex offender, all right, everybody just gets a, puts a one size fits all into that category and our minds immediately go to the worst possible case scenario. You know what I mean? Because that's what we. We we know. I mean, that's what the media talks about. I mean, you don't you don't hear about a sex offense in 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 the media unless it's a rape, and so that's what you associate sex offender with. And so, no, like I said, nobody nobody really knows the stories. So, I mean, and there's two sides to to all of them. Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. You uh, know, you know, uh, the the I guess. The perception of it all really drives I guess a lot of the uh, sentencing and the cries for justice etc and um, it, it's a hard battle on both sides I'll be honest with you because uh, obviously there's a, you know let's keep it real and there's a victim on one side of the fence you know yeah. and then there is uh, somebody who committed an act on the other side of the fence but then the um, strange thing is that, um, or strange to a lot of people, is that nine times out of ten, the person who committed the act started out as a victim as well. So it's just like this rolling cycle. And, you know, the thing is, like, ending that cycle, you can't um, incarcerate your way out of that cycle because there's somebody out there, you know,
1: so your 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 situation is a little bit. It sounds like it's a little bit different than than Jimmy's in the sense that uh, was your situation a non consensual situation? Oh no, no,
2: it's not, it's not, it's not. Um, so it's it's just it's pretty much the the same exact thing, you know. Uh, just this gap, um, this gap of a uh, age difference, you know. That all um, still gets all bundled together with every other offense there is in terms of the way how the statues
1: are written yeah i that's i mean and and like how many how many years ago what was that this is like almost like ten years ago that's that's so cr- that's so crazy i mean I don't know man i I'm a parent now, and I have a daughter i don't know what i would do i mean if i'm if, uh, I'm, if i if i'm if i thinking about it right now like i mean what was the age difference
2: oh it was 10 years
1: and what what but what was okay so there's a minor like 17 oh yeah like about 17 16
2: so give person 20s you know
1: yeah, I don't know what I I don't know what I would do in that situation. I that's a tough one, man. I mean, because I mean, do you feel like like looking back on it uh that there was something wrong with it? Like if you oh. if you if you tell if you telescope out and 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 kind of look at it, you know, like try to remove yourself from from being in the situation. And like if if you if you had a sixteen year old daughter um and somebody ten years older than her was was sleeping with her and, and you know was into I mean it was a consensual situation, but I mean do you would you be okay with that?
2: Uh, probably not, you know, and that's the thing. When you when you zoom out you telescope, I'll be honest with you, if you telescope out and you remove yourself from the situation, you can see why the reaction would be how the reaction is in um, in society, you know. And I know for you, you're saying, uh, you know, you can't imagine how you feel about it. Um, but I think you'd be probably uh, pretty upset with it all, you know. But the difference is with you, I, I, and it's just just me, you know, uh, thinking here that because you've been behind the wall and I think you've got, um, I think you probe first rather than react. You react initially a little bit, but I think you actually probe and ask questions. the Why, 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 you know, um, rather than just go fly off the handle. Most people,
1: they fly off the handle, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, <sighs> <laughs> that, that that is a tough one, man. Because the because I yeah I I wouldn't I, you're right. I probably wouldn't uh, jump to conclusions because I mean at 16, yeah, you're still you're still old enough to kind of know um, what you're doing. Uh, so I would I would uh, probably the, the first question like how did this even happen? You know what I mean? Like where where where, where did you meet? like you know you should be at band practice yeah how, how did how did this you know how did this even transpire um but then then it would just it it would be you know i don't want to i would i wouldn't want to put anybody in prison unless they like actually were you know doing something physically yeah. harmful to my kid and then then it would turn into something else um yeah. but yeah i don't know I mean it's 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 so it's so different than than the the typical you know what I mean, what you would consider a, a sex offense. I mean it's 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 like it's yeah. like it's like in a gray area and, and you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a big gray area. So
2: I, and, you know the thing is, okay, so let me ask you a question. I, I guess it'll kind of help to um push the conversation along. So let's say, you know, your daughter's uh let's say she's sixteen, seventeen and the guy's twenty one. How do you react to that? Um,
3: uh,
1: <laughs> <a> good one. <laughs> um it it doesn't seem as bad. I mean, I gotta be honest it do, it doesn't seem like it would it would be that bad uh i would it would still be concerning um uh, i and and i think you know uh, honestly the concerning part about it is is like you know as an adult that love and all that stuff i mean it's like dude this isn't going to be uh, if if this is your first and only love then then great even better Okay, but you know your own life tells you that that's not that's not really how it's gonna be. Love is temporary, you know what I mean, especially your first uh so I would like my thing would be would probably be that, dude you st- wait until you're older, man, S- stay a kid <laughs> as long as you can because when you have to become an adult, it's all bad. <laughs> you know it, it your kids are in such a hurry to grow up that they don't realize how good they have it and to enjoy every part of it because it doesn't, it doesn't last forever. And as soon as you're an adult, everything changes. And so that would be, that would be my only concern for it. You know what I mean? The, the, like all that I would, you know what I mean? The other thing doesn't even really play a part in my head. I mean, at some point they're going to have sex. I mean, hopefully they don't get knocked up and pregnant and, you know, or I, I've, that I would have raised a, a, a child that would be smart enough to not put themselves in a situation where, you know, I mean, they're going to trap themselves in their life. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it you know, they're your kids and you have no choice but to support them.
2: Right, yeah, definitely understand. You know, it's crazy that you you know you spoke about getting knocked up, but I I give you a kind of funny scenario here to, to kind of obviously as a, as Americans we change our uh, views on things. Well, let's say you uh, you go to your grandparents' fiftieth wedding anniversary, right? And, and you know they're married for fifty years, and your grandmother is sixty six. And your grandfather is 72. I mean, just stretch it a little bit more. Your grandpa is 70, let's say 75. So that's what, a nine-year age difference? Yeah. Yeah, but it's your grandparent's 50th wedding anniversary. She's 66. And this happens in America. And it's only I I think when you get older and you say, hey, wait a minute, Grandma Six, you did be married since she was she was sixteen because she got knocked up by Grandpa, who was twenty five at, at the time.
1: Yeah. No, and, you know my that's a good point.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and the, and the approach back then wasn't necessarily to go to uh, the authorities with it. The approach was to hey, go into church and, and go to the. the or whatever, and get married so
1: that you don't bring shame upon our family. Yeah, I, you, you have a point. You have, you have a good point. I mean, things were yeah. a lot different back then. I mean, the the attitudes. I mean, what Jerry Lee Lewis didn't he marry uh, his niece or something like that? Something in in at sixteen, you know, the, Elvis Presley uh, Priscilla was really young, wasn't she?
2: Yeah. You know, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is justify anything that I've done, just kind of showing that, you know, when we get angry at a lot of things, we don't consider that this same thing may have happened within our own family
0: unit. In, I, I want to jump in here. This is Jimmy again. In my situation, the father reacted angrily, and that's how the authorities got involved. But Within a month, the father had calmed down. It was like, wait, this is going too far. Tried to go in get the authorities to stop. And the authorities continued to push it, even though they did not want to help the prosecution at that point. So I think that we find that, yeah, initial initially, families react angrily. But when they sit there and they think about it over time, they realize that, this is not the best outcome for not only the victim, but the person that persecuted or uh, not persecuted, but basically committed the crime.
1: Yeah. This is, this is such a, this is such a, a a gray area. Um, and I mean, if, if, if you would, if, if this was, if we were talking about a violent sex offense, this would be a completely different conversation, but, it, 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 the they're just yeah i don't know man that's uh
0: that's that's crazy. I, would be willing, I would be willing to place money that 90 percent of these offenses are not non-consensual or basically 90 percent are consensual 90 percent are non-violent But because of the other 10 percent you prosecute the 90
1: at the same level. Yeah. Well, and then they're also, I mean, you're look, they're just when, you know, they, they only see things. Um, They're like robots. You know what I mean? It's uh, they, they have a function. You know, the police have a function. If we get called out, somebody's going, you know, sure. and that's, that's their whole, their whole mentality. You have, you have some cops out there that are, uh, uh that are human, you know what i mean? But for the most part, i mean and and you got to think of the reasons why they get involved in in doing that job in, in the first place. A lot of the times it was it, it's because they were in situations that where they felt like they had no control and they put themselves into a job where they have total control. Yeah. yeah. Um I can see that. And so i you know after, after I went to prison, I, I, cause my dad used to always want to get, get me to be uh he would say, Hey, you know, the prisons are hiring. go get a job there. Or, you know what I mean? And I come from a family of law enforcement. All of them were, even my grandmother, she was the first uh, female police officer in Elsa uh, Berkeley police department. So from my grandmother to my dad, to my uncle, uh, even my other uncle was, uh, worked at San Quentin, um. You know, you would say, "Hey, try to get a job at the prisons." But after I went, was in prison, I was like, "There's no way in hell I would want to be come here." Like, dude, you're you're doing time too, <laughs> you yeah. know. And, and and but you're voluntary you're you're voluntarily coming here to put yourself amongst uh people who are miserable. You know what I mean? For them, may not you do the you do what you got to do to get there. But I mean, it it's dude, you're warehousing misery. And you're you have to come here. You get to leave, but I mean, it it affects them too.
2: Yeah, it does. I, you know,
1: I think a wow,
2: uh, for yourself and for us, and here uh, captivity is forced upon us by the system. I, well, I guess you can say it's forced upon them by the same system because you know it's about money for them, and you know. Obviously, for your your dad and your grandma, it's about taking care of family. So, I think that money will attract you in any situation. And I've heard earlier, you know, a bit of your story in terms of the uh, addiction and stuff. And the money trapped you to the point that, you know, you couldn't get whatever you had to
1: do to have money to support your habits. So, yeah yeah so uh is there is there light at the end of the tunnel for you oh yeah yeah it's light at the end of the tunnel thankfully you
2: know so i'm not um you know it's it's a level of acceptance that you have to reach um to not be miserable um to not go crazy um because that can happen quite easily and um You know, like Jimmy said, or I think you asked him about, um, you gave him examples about, you know, guys going to a PC um, and stuff like that. But I think what I've learned is that the reason why um, any other inmates may use the situation or the charges to get the upper hand is because of your personal fear. You know, um, and I don't know if this like this podcast is PG or um
1: oh, You can, MMA. You, you can oh, yeah. yeah. But basically,
2: and you know, I don't know who who who, who end up listening to it, and some of the people listening to it. Hey, you know, uh, unfortunately, one of your family members, you you know, could end up behind the wall whatever fence but I'd say if they end up for some kind of sexually based things. Hopefully not. You've got to learn early on to give a big fuck you to everybody. And if you maintain that kind of demeanor, like, okay, I'm here and this is what I'm here for, but Hey, wait a minute. The fact that we're having this conversation outside my cell door means that you're in here with me too. So you know, and once you kind of maintain that persona, like nobody,
3: nobody cares.
1: Yeah. I found, I found the, that the, I mean, I wasn't in a, uh, a maximum. I mean, I, I started out in, in state prison, I think in like a, uh higher level. Um, and then I went into a lower level. And then when I went to uh federal prison, I was in a medium, uh, which I should have been in a camp but since uh I got ar- I got arrested for, or yeah I got arrested when I was 18 never didn't get charged with that but I got arrested for uh attempted like uh I don't know like I don't know if it was attempted murder or or something but anyways somebody got beat up with some steel toe boots and that charge was I didn't do it but I was a I was a part of it and so it uh that was there. And so that was in, in the federal system, they go back and they look at all of your stuff before they, you know, place you, uh, wherever they try to make a determination of, <laughs> you know, as if you're the same person you were when you were 18. Uh, so that kept me from, uh, going to a camp, but I mean, the medium wasn't that bad. Uh, it, but I mean, you know, there were still, it, it could still be dangerous, you know, and, but what, There, I think what, what I, I did that kept me out of trouble in that sense is that, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, get in debt, you don't do drugs and you don't gamble. If you can manage to stay away from those three while you're in prison and just kind of keep out of the, you know, you find yourself, uh, one or two dudes that you can, uh, you know, kick it with. And, you know, like you, you, it seems like you guys are three, um, you know, and, and that, that kind of keeps you safe.
2: Yeah, yeah, it hasn't. Yeah, it hasn't changed a bit. Um, you know, I've been around a couple places, and um, part of my strategy is that uh, learn the personality types, because you will run into the same people at every prison you go to, just in a different vibe being a different face, but the personalities are pretty much all the same like there's, there's always going to be the, the young kid who thinks he's invincible you know there's always going to be the old guy who complains about everything <laughs> you know etc cetera, etc cetera. So There's always going to be the guy who uh who tells stories about how uh, tough he was on the street he, he repeats his stories and these stories literally every week and, you know and, and i guess it makes him feel better about himself or whatever but you learn the personality types and you learn how to deal with them, and you pretty much can apply it to you know pretty much most of the situations.
1: Yeah, what I what I saw too, or or not not so much saw, but just heard, you know, from guys that you know, because in the federal system, you uh, it's a like let's say if you robbed a bank, you go immediately, you go straight to to a max or a high, and then you got to work your way down, and and the only t- really criteria for that is time, time, not having gotten trouble inside. And so like I would, uh, the, the, so yeah, the, the, the lower, the more time you do, the lower, the, uh, the, the security level they place you in, or, or you can, um, request to, to be, you know, Hey, can I go down to a, a medium now or to a camp because that's even possible too, depending on your charges. Um, and I, f- I forget where I was even going with that. So um, <laughs> you'll, you'll find that as you guys are podcasting a little bit more that, uh, or if you ever do uh, uh guest interviews that sometimes you, you, you like you're going over here and you'll just go off to the left a little bit. And <laughs> so you guys got one more, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, we got noodles right here. Noodles, hey, Sean, how
3: you doing? Good, hey, man. man. How you doing?
1: Good. I hope I, I hope I uh, didn't uh, use up too much time, man. I'm pretty chatty.
3: Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. That's just the time. It's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, man.
1: Yeah, no problem. So, are you
3: uh, same situation? No, no, I'm uh I'm in here for, uh, I'll just get, I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, I'm not happy with my actions in the past, but I'm in here for murder. So, uh, yeah, I have a completely different situation from these guys. Uh, I have a uh, life without, them, so this is the, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for me. Uh, so, you know, it's a day by day kind of situation. Uh,
1: was it a, a self defense type of thing or was it a, uh, uh,
3: you know, well, all of the, all um, the... In, in total honesty, no, 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 it wasn't. Um, I had a, a situation going on, and there was, I guess you could say, mediating circumstance. I, I wasn't. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses for my behavior. It was really bad, but um, I, uh, I was a regular guy with a regular job and a family. And once again, talking about addictions and stuff, I, uh, I I was seeing other people on the side, things like that. And I got in this situation and, um, you know, I guess you'd say a crime of passion. tempers were involved. Um, Previous to that, before I started uh, doing the things that I was doing, I I had never believed in, like, mental health and depression and things, but I got to where I just couldn't function. I got severely depressed, which really surprised me. And I got on some medication, some doctor-prescribed medication, antidepressants. And in my opinion, that's what caused me to do what I did. Like I so said, I have a murder charge, uh, but I can't use that as an excuse, it, you know. Um, I accept what I did and it was was wrong and I hate that it happened. But uh, I guess the main reason I wanted to do these type of things is I want people to understand that no matter how bad you screw up, you're still human. And, and there are some people in prison that probably shouldn't be out of prison because they, they don't try to change. So my whole thing in here is trying to become a better person. Whether I get out or not, it doesn't really matter. You know, our job, I think, is to become better people. And so I, I work at that every day. Um, but, no, I do uh, I can't say my crime was anything other than the the stuff I was going through mentally at that time, you know? And, um, it was, there was some, some heated, you know, arguments, shall we say. And, um, but I can't say it was like, I wasn't, I wasn't in fear for my life. It wasn't self-defense or anything like that. It was just an ugly situation that got totally out of hand. And, uh, I find myself here, you know? But like I said, what I, what I wanted people to know is that, just because you come to prison doesn't, whether it's you're in here for, you know, two years or 27 years, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, things happen and we're still human beings and a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us just made one bad choice in life and it can happen to anybody. You know, it's the thing that I'd I like to get across to the public because it, it seems to me oftentimes people in the public when something bad happens, they just fool by what they see on the evening news. And that person is branded as a monster, you know, whether it's like these guys' situation or my situation, where they don't really know the whole story. But then at the same time, when something happens to a friend or a loved one, that they get in the same kind of situations, now suddenly it's like we have excuses. Oh, well, you know, they're not a bad person. They just made a terrible mistake. And all I'd like to see is that applied to to all of us, you know, that, you know, Hey, we're still human beings, you know?
1: Yeah. Unfortunately it's uh, a <laughs> prison's a
3: business. Um, yeah. Well, I know. I, I understand that. Trust me. I, I've been doing this a long time. So, uh, Oh, I, I know how it is, uh, without just like bashing those guys, but it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a business. And a lot of people get, they get paid as they say in here, you know? So, um, it's a bad situation and I'd like to see something more along the European model of prisons. Um, I I don't know how much you feel about that, but it just seems like they seem to have a better handle on it from the human aspect of it, you know, as far as sentencing and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, I find myself in here and I've done a lot of time and, uh, like I said, my situation's different from those guys, these other two guys, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like, i met a lot of good people in prison who probably just made really bad mistakes. And that, that's my point that I would like to get out to the public. You know, it's like, hey, you know, people make mistakes regardless of the circumstances. And, you know, maybe if the public's opinion changed, then maybe maybe something would get good. Because The thing about it being a business is very few people actually benefit from it. You know, the taxpayer. I mean, it's it's like a $50 billion a year industry in America. I mean, who's in the bill for that? The taxpayer. I think people that are so gung-ho about putting them in prison and never let them out, I don't think they think about how much of their tax money is going to keep these things running, you know? And it's not like a vacation spot. For us, people, a lot of people tend to think, hey, man, they're in prison. They don't have to do anything. It's free, three meals and a cot. And you, and you know as well as we do, that's not the situation. You know, this is not a vacation by any stretch of the imagination. You
1: know? No, I mean when I was in, uh, where I was at in the federal system in the state, I could kind of, uh, you, you could hide if you wanted to, I guess you could say, you like, you you know what I mean? You get mm-hmm. TVs, you had, a, if you had a TV in your cell, I mean, unless you had a job, and a lot of times you, mm-hmm. that was the one thing that you, that was kind of mandatory is that you had to go to work. You can't, you can't just yeah. lay around and do nothing. Um, unless you like had a medical reason or something. So, but I mean, aside from that, I mean, you know, you, you could just disappear, you know, go to work and then stay in your cell if you have a TV. But I mean, that right. get, that, that gets old, you know, and it, so. And then in, in the federal, the federal prison, they made sure you had to, like, if, if you didn't have a high school diploma and you couldn't prove it, you had to go take a GED, you had to go to work. So, I mean, there was, you know, there was, there was a lot more,
3: they didn't really let you sit around. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we, we, in the state level state we're in, we, um, we have details and like you said, uh, jobs and, and, and so like for me, I, I have a job and I, like you say, I enjoy it because I get out of the dorm, get to do something somewhat productive. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing something productive. Um, but there are a, a lot of guys, you know, in here that don't have jobs. They just hang around the dorm all day. Um, we don't have TVs in our cells in, in this state. Um, so, but yeah, I know what you mean about just getting lost and just staying in the cell because uh, that's typically what most of us do, you know, it's just what, what our jobs and we come back and we shower and then we, you know,
1: hang out and sell, you know? Yeah. So. That's, that, that's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you have, you, you have to, to come into it with a, with a way different mindset in your situation, because it's like, there's, you know, you, you've already resigned to the fact that, what it sounds like. I don't know if you've exhausted appeals or, you know, any, any of that. But I mean, when you resign to the fact that this is it, you know what I mean? Then you, you start looking at, okay, well, if this is it and this is as good as it's going to get, then let me try to navigate my way to make it the best that I possibly can for myself.
3: Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's a bitter pill to swallow, but it's like, the reality of it so i always try to remember you know i'm in prison but i don't allow prison into me you know so i i try to stay busy and read and listen to music we do things like that you know watch a little tv like i said go to the job but uh yeah it's it's, it's tough you know you just have to uh, like i said it's i guess kind of that whole buddhist approach you know it's like uh, one one day at a time you know like one step and one foot in front of the other you know
1: yeah, the what what amazed me when when I was there, uh, is the amount of talent that most uh people have that are incarcerated or locked up. Dude, there's so much talent locked inside of prisons.
3: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You see all kind of like artwork and just ingenuity of like arts and crafts kind of thing. You know, of course, we aren't allowed a lot of things. That we're, we're working on a very limited basis. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of talent. Lot of, I don't think a lot of people realize that. You
1: know? Yeah. Like how how did you figure out how to make a picture frame out of a out of a Doritos a bunch of Doritos bags with the silver uh, <laughs>
3: insides? Why they were doing that when you were in? Yeah, they still do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm like,
3: dude, that's amazing,
1: and it's like it's like a picture frame. <laughs>
3: right oh i know it's it's crazy i've seen some really interesting things like um i knew a guy who took elmer's glue and he like spread it out real thin and then he somehow he covered it i think with markers or something and he rolled it up and he made these little like figurines little statues like little fantasy things you know like who who would have thought of doing something like that you know so a lot of talent like see a lot of talent
1: yeah it's too bad. Hopefully they figure out how to reform some of this stuff. I mean, I I I I have a feeling that at the end of the tunnel on this uh this uh covid thing or the when we get out of whatever situation we're in right now, uh there's going to be a lot of changes. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, it's just it's getting it's getting I mean uh listen listen to some some of my some of my shows i think right now we should be we should be uh on a general strike close to uh close to a civil war uh and and, mm-hmm. and get some of the changes that that we need to have and get some of these criminals uh, out out of out of the pol- out of politics i
3: mean seriously right you know the yeah, real I, the, the, the to a few of your shows so yeah and enjoy me out. I know what you're talking about for real. So hopefully, like you say, this will make people think, you know, hopefully they will sit back and, and think about what's going on. Use this time, you know, for this social distancing and all this stuff. Self quarantine to think about. So hopefully.
1: Yeah, I hopefully. And I, I think people are, I think people, and I, and they, they, I think people already knew, you know what I mean? They just, they were just, yeah. what, I mean, what are you going to, when you think about it, like, well, what I'm just one person, what can I do? And um, let me just worry about my little, my little, world here and making it the best for my family and you know there's not a lot of time and they keep you busy for a reason i mean that's you know if you're right. not th- if you're not thinking about how you're how we're fucking you then then you know what I mean we have a better shot of being able to keep fucking you
3: <laughs> right oh most definitely most definitely <laughs> and when you're in you see that and i don't I don't think that's what the a lot of the general public sees they just Look at it from like a retribution point, like oh, these are these are bad guys, so we don't care what happens to them. But you know, like I said, it affects one of us; affects all of us, basically. You know, yeah, yeah. and and then
1: the fact that most people aren't sinister, and that you know what I mean. There, most people are are good natured. By you know what I mean, the majority of people, uh, and so when they think about like somebody's, well, why would somebody, why why would the government do that? You know, and and it's because it's because they're thinking from their terms. Like I would never do anything like that, exactly. You know, and so that's how people think. And oh, I wouldn't do that. So,
3: "Ah, you're silly,
1: you know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh
3: yeah. And and and, and, and it's funny, like say, I mean, we we we've all are in this and been in it, and we we recognize that stuff. I I don't think most people out there really like you say, give it a thought and they don't think about it from, like you say, the other side, the general uh, public doesn't think about the way the government thinks or the people that profit from all this, you know? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, All right. Well, you know, let's, uh, we're at about an hour right now. Do you guys want to keep rolling or do you want to, you want to end it here?
3: It's totally up to you man it's your time so you uh you, you tell us
1: all right uh let's let's drop into some redemption all right and i'll i'll start it off okay and what i'm talking about redemption you know that can mean a lot of different things uh it can be you know i i paid my debt to society you know when you get out and mm-hmm. uh i feel like i should you know You know, you do all your, your, you know, commitments, you know, when you get out parole, you know, you get through that and, uh, you're done and, you know, redemption to me, uh, is not an external thing. And when you, and the reason why I say that is, is because what I found is if you're waiting for society to redeem you, it's not going to happen. The only, the only thing that's going to redeem you when you get out and, and and the stigma and all that is time and consistency. So when, cause when I first got really? out, I was, I was, you know, fucking up, you know, I did well for a little while, but I mean, I wasn't, I got out in 2006 and I didn't, I didn't change everything until 2010. So it was four years afterwards. Cause I wasn't done. I still had things that I, that I wanted to do. There was still some crimes out there that I, I wanted to commit. I mean, and that's I'm being 100% honest. Um, you know, I was, I learned how to do check fraud. And so I knew there was credit card fraud out there and I wanted to learn how to do that. And I, I found it. And, you Bro. know, so, and that was after I got out of prison. And I got really lucky uh, that I didn't end up going back. So, you know, it's uh, time and consistency because when, you know, once I started becoming consistent and changing things, it, so, you know, everything everything was different. But redemption is in yourself. Uh, that's the most important part of redemption, I think, uh, as a, a formerly incarcerated person coming out into the population again, that you have to, uh, you have to find that redemption within yourself, you know, because you, you know, the, the, the self chatter inside your head, uh, is what will tell you that you're not good enough, that you don't deserve this, that, you know who who are you you're just you know what i mean you you let your mm-hmm. you let your your past inside to your head and it starts telling you all these things or the things that you heard in the past, so you have to get beyond all of that and and that redemption is within you you have to come, oh, yeah, you have yeah. to come to terms with uh what's happened where you were. and and where you're going to go. And until you do that, you will limit yourself. You'll, you'll cause those, those voices in your head, they're very limiting. You know what I mean? they keep you in a box. Right.
3: Right. Well, that's that's just my take on my situation is that like, I I often tell people, listen, when I'm corresponding to people letters, I always say, you know, I, I feel remorseful remorseful excuse me, for what I've done and I am a changed person but it does no one any good except for my my inner feelings because as far as the public is concerned in my opinion they, they don't care that I'm a different guy than the guy that did the crime they don't care so actually I I, had, I know that I did a crime right and I feel bad about it and I don't have any beef with being sent to prison. My, my beef is the amount of time. Like, I mean, okay, you're, you're forever a bad guy. So I, I basically can never redeemed myself other than my inner knowledge that, hey, I'm not that guy from 17 years ago. I've been locked up 17 years. And so I. Uh, it sounds crazy and people out there might understand, but I mean, actually, I know I'm a much better man than I was before I came to prison. You know, I mean, it changes your perspective. You know that, and so I, I did a lot of self evaluation when I came to prison, and I, I got to look at my life, and I'm like, God, I was a crappy guy. You know, I mean, I was a regular guy. I didn't think I was like an evil guy. I wasn't out there doing crime. but I wasn't a nice, concerned, caring father or husband or son. I was, and and I know that now I'm I'm that guy. You know, and of course. That my people, I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, well, he's just saying that because where he's at. But, you know, I'm going to be here. So I don't have any reason to say it other than it's what I, it's what I feel. You know, I, I know I'm a better person for coming to prison. But, you know, my thing is they let me out so I can get that redemption test so I can be a consistently good guy. You know, that's the problem I have with it. But uh, like I said, as far as being in prison, I, I did a bad thing. I'm, I'm okay with that. But don't put me in here for the rest of my life you know
1: that's that's the situation i'm in but so, yeah um, yeah that's uh i had i had something on my on my mind i just it just i just lost it <laughs> uh so uh now, sal, sal- sal how about how about how about yourself what do you what do you feel about redemption
2: uh, redemption i'd say definitely uh well, first off, your redemption starts in here. Um, you know, um, you alluded to the fact that, you know, you're in two, two years, three, going on three years, and just when you're getting used to it, you know, you're back out on the streets. But I think there's kind of a, the same thing, the settle in period. And once you get to that settle in period, um, I think it's when you really have to start your uh, redemption, by I say, at least with your rehabilitation in terms of changing the way how you think about things because uh, contrary to popular belief, um, the system behind the wall, it's not built for rehabilitation and redemption. It's built for punishment, you know? And and I think that uh, America has been through enough wars to know that, hey, if you put a person in a cell, you know, and you lock them up, you know, it's, it's almost worse than death because they go crazy, um, and they start thinking about things in their life and what they should have done and shouldn't have done. Um, so you've you got to you've got to start at that point, like, hey, okay, I messed up. Let me change how I was thinking and make myself a better person. Um, you know with light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, my only concerns are it, it, it's, it, or is this thing going to haunt me for the rest of my life, you know? Because we're as, like, let's say a, a person who was a a farm robber, a bank robber, you know? Um Let's say he, he comes to prison and he does 20 years and he gets out and he becomes a successful businessman, whether that's public speaking or whatever he's doing. Um, he's celebrated, you know. He gets the the, the, the label "former bank robber," inspiring um, teens or young men to be better men, you know. And you can put that headline across any media media outlet, and you pretty much will get a positive reaction. Now, on the other hand change those two words bank robber" in that sentence to sex offender in that sentence. And what does it look like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, yeah, instead of, uh, yeah. Cause I mean, they would say former sex offender. So imme- yeah, okay. immediately before the, anybody even hears about what you, the, the good accomplishment that you did, they already tune out
2: right and the thing is like you said you said yeah former but the thing is like for most sex offenders or or, uh, you know there is no such thing as former because when you get out from here you got to go register so it's like you just like you, you did your time just like the other guy in prison but you're still doing time after you get out so For us, you know, for me and and Jimmy, like our rehabilitation and redemption has to be so internal and it's about fortifying ourselves against what probably may come in terms of the, uh, I wouldn't say the backlash, but the, you know, the the, 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 right term, the social distancing from people in society.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause you hear about it every, every Halloween they pop up, you know what I mean? How many sex offenders are in an area and you know, and it, it's, you're, you're probably right. Probably, probably in a, in a neighborhood, let's say you have a neighborhood of 20, let's just say maybe two or three might be, uh, or maybe four, but I would say like two or three might be, uh, uh, I, people that need you need to worry about, and the other ones were something you know, like maybe your situation or urinating in public, or you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's but you know, you got to It's about being strong. You
2: just got to, you just have to be uh, mentally tough and to kind of build a shell around you, and you got to filter out the information you receive. You got to filter out how people perceive you because if you don't do that you kind of you will take on society's perception of yourself and it will make change or uh, redemption very very difficult and that's not what you want you want to look in your own mirror and, okay this is who I was this is who I want to be this is who I am right now let me set those goals and work towards those goals and, you know
1: and it doesn't stop when you get out either Uh, you know, I, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a process, man. I mean, it's, I got out in 2006, we're now in 2020. So what is that? Uh, almost for 14 years. Yeah. Um, and I'm still working on myself. You know, it's, uh, it's been a challenge, especially because you know, and I've said this before when you, it's almost like you're like, when you weren't raised in a way like normal, like regular people were, you know what I mean? you where you dealt with trauma of some sort or you know whatever it is that you've gone through as a child and it's not the normal way that like you you would see you know you go to school you graduate high school you go to college or go into a trade or and then you know life just continues to go i mean that's kind of like the the cookie cutter uh mold of of kind of life right and and sort of how it should work and when it doesn't when you don't get raised that way and you're forced to kind of like figure it out yourself uh because parents aren't around latchkey kid whatever which is the the worst idea in the world whoever came up with that um it uh you know it's you're 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 having to kind of build yourself back up so to say you know what I mean and correct the 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 mistakes uh, in upbringing or lack of upbringing, and figure it out on your own, you know. And, and it's a it's a internal process. And I think the the fact that it, you know when we get put away, we have an edge on most people out in society because they don't usually have the ability of self reflection because they were never put in a situation where they had to take a time out and all you can do is think that's it that's all you have is thought you know especially when you when you first process in i mean you get like 21 to 30 days in solitary before they you know before they process you out you know when you when you when you but before you actually even get into the general population you're you're you have to and you're and you're coming from first first time in prison you you have to uh, do an intake and that, and that and a lot of times it's either just you and a and somebody else or you by yourself until they figure out what security level they're gonna put you in and where you're gonna where you're gonna finally go rest so it uh yeah it was uh in and, and yeah and then you're and then there's a whole nother part of that too is the decompression once you get out. Decompressing from the heightened level of alertness, you know what I mean? Because you always were on alert for, you know, for me, it was for three years of, you know, just always being suspectful. You know what I mean? You're just, just, you just got to keep your eyes open because you got a a lot of different types of people in there, man. You, you know what I mean? And you never know when something's going to pop off either. You know, just a little, just the littlest thing could ignite uh, a, 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 dangerous situation. And so, you know, trying to decompress from that, especially the, the separate, you know what I mean? I don't know how, how, uh, politic, political your, your yard is, but I remember, you know, it was, I, I ran with the whites. So it was, uh, you know, there, there was that, uh, what do they call that, um, segregation. And, you know, having feelings about, you know what I mean? Other races. And then there's that whole thing that you got to kind of, you know, if that was a part of what you were doing, you had, I had to decompress from that a little bit because there, you know, you're, you're thrown back into society and it's, you know, you're, I, when I went where I'm from, it's a melting pot. There's everybody there. So it was an adjustment, man. And I, I, I suffered from PTSD. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, when I got out,
2: yeah, I could, uh, I, I definitely understand everything that you you said. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, you know, like you said, uh, you know, running with whites and just kind of uh, segregating all uh, amongst the races, and I think that that's part of the filtering that you have to do as well, you know, because, um. The good thing about here is that you get self reflect like you said. The bad thing is that if you're not careful, you will take on the attitudes and the histories of other people before you even realize that you have, you know. So let's say um, for example, like you, you you've never been um robbed by a black person, but you know the couple of your buddies that you run with say, hey, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, you've taken on that same um, mindset Mm -hmm. versus saying, hey, that's not the experience that I've had. (laughs) You know, and all that's part of for me, like just kind of saying, you know, like, okay, I hear you. Well, I don't have to adopt that same mentality because when I get out of here, just like yourself, you're going to be in a melting pot. In you know, that may not be the greatest of mindset to have on these streets, I assume.
1: Yeah, no, it, it it's not because it it limits you. Uh, it limits you from opportunities. It it, it there is a an underlying um, energy about you. You know what I mean? That, that people can see. I mean, it's visible. Um, that you're, you know what I mean? That there. I don't know how to explain it, but I know it exists. Um, you just, you have an energy about yourself that is different than everybody else. And it, you know, the only, once you decompress from that and just kind of like, you know, work on it and, uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it, yeah it, 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 it was difficult, man. I, and how I dealt with it is I, I, drank, I was drinking, you know, uh, and I, I drank quite a bit. I mean, even though I was on um, whatchamacallit, I don't think I had a, I don't think, like, state was, I don't know if I would have, if I was breaking the rules or not, but I was, uh, I used alcohol to cope. And you know, luckily I, I pulled myself out of it. You know, I was up to like a fifth a day and I pulled myself out of that. Uh, and you know, detoxed on my own. You know, I I had the shakes and everything else. I mean, you know, I was, I locked myself in my, in my room for about three or four days and just sweat it all out. And, uh, you know, got back on the saddle and I was like, dude, come on, you gotta go. Let's go. You know, what are you doing? Uh, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you know, and that, and that was, you know, I've, I've done that a lot in my life, man, where I've had to, uh, you know, just kind of, I guess where some people that suffer from depression would keep spiral spiraling down and until, you know, something bad would happen. But I, I would always pull myself like out of it, you know, and just, uh, have a routine of how, how do you know when i get to this point these are the steps that i take to get out and i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta do this and then i'm back on track again and here we go rolling you know right yeah you know um but uh, hey you've been out there uh,
2: 14 or so years so you've done quite well you know
1: And that, and that's the thing man it is possible Uh, you just gotta, you just have to time and consistency, you know, that's, that's the only, that's the, the, the formula time and consistency and, and, uh, make small goals for yourself to keep accomplishing them. Um, and that'll help build your self esteem. You know, these little, these little victories that you have in your life. Um, those, those, no matter how small it creates, uh, self esteem and it creates confidence. And then once you achieve that, then you're going to want to do something else. You know, okay, well, let's try this now. And the more you keep doing that, and even if you fail, you're failing up. You're not failing back because you're taking the opportunity to reflect. And how could I have done something this different? How can I learn from this? And so as long as every time you make a mistake from this point on, you learn from it and it's not so devastating of a mistake that it's going to impact your life. Um, you know, and you just continue moving forward and forward and forward. And, and, you know, at some point, you know, you'll get, you'll get some traction and, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be where you want to be. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. I'll tell you that much. And it it wasn't easy for me, but, uh, most of the difficulties that I had were, were (laughs) self-inflicted, you know, they weren't, they weren't because of, you know, the, the man trying to keep me down. They were just because of my own, my own self. So, I mean, stay out of your own way for sure. If you can do that, then, you you know, you got it. You'll, you'll have it licked. What
0: about you, Jimmy? Hey, uh, so for me, I feel that redemption needs to be along the lines of communicative justice. In the fact of I have not had a chance to communicate with society, I have not had a chance to communicate with my victim, I haven't had a chance to communicate with their family. To find out not only how they, what I can do for them to receive peace about the situation, but also for us to move on as a whole society, the victim and myself from what happened into what they expect the future to be. Um, I would-
1: oh you're you bra- you're,
0: you're um, breaking up are you there Sean? yeah yeah
1: i'm I can hear you clearly now you but you were you were you broke up for like the last twenty
0: seconds okay um you want me to start the back
1: uh no, where where are you moving around? Or are you are you sitting in one spot? All right, I I can I can kind of hear you, I can hear you better now.
0: Okay, um, what we experience here is basically as everybody starts to wake up, the signal starts to die. So, um. No, basically what I was saying is, um, I just, I, I would like to see communicative justice in my situation, um, which is essentially society, myself and my victim coming together to reach the best outcome for everybody involved and to talk about what happened, um, to figure out where do we go from here and what is best for everybody involved, um, and I, that that doesn't happen in our justice system. It happens in the European justice system a lot, but it doesn't happen here.
1: So do you have do you have uh, aspirations? It, it sounds like you have aspirations to try and get out and be an advocate of some sort.
0: Absolutely. Um, One of the things I really want to work with is I want to work with other juvenile sex offenders. Um, It's really crazy, but one of the statistics that we don't talk about is the largest age group of sex offenders is juveniles. Um, And that's a problem. That's a problem. We tell our children, you know, you're not old enough to consent to this act, but because you're over the age of 13, we'll prosecute you as an adult for it. And we never sit down and say, what happened for you to reach this point? What point are you at? And how do we bring you back to being a functioning member of society? Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's all, that's part of the reason why I started this podcast was, you know, I wanted to be able to reach out to, to ex-offenders as well, but it's not as, it's not as easy. Um, uh, once you get out to, or once you're, you're out here, because a lot of times like I've reached out to probation departments, I've reached out to, to, uh, some programs and I, they just, you know what I mean? They just, they're kind of, they, they just weren't, didn't seem to be interested.
0: Right. Cause unfortunately rehabilitation works against them. Yeah. If you rehabilitate everybody, you have no more parole departments. They have no job. They have nothing to live for anymore because there's nothing left in that area. And uh, so, I mean, I guess my thing would be you have to find an area or a group of people that rehabilitation benefits them.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I was just, I figured I'm like, all right, well, let me just continue on with my journey and what I'm doing. And then at some point something will present itself. Cause it, I mean, it always does. You're putting energy out there, uh, and it comes back and you just got to be paying attention for it. And then an opportunity will show up. I mean, just like, you know, this is a, this is a, an opportunity as well. I mean, it's, it's not very often that you can, you, you hear unedited stories, you know, from people that are inside, you usually what you you'll hear TV shows of people that are inside, but it's all edited up. So you don't know, you know, it's, it's, they, they put it however they want, you know?
0: Right. And, and I think that that's the part of the communication that we're missing. We're not getting both sides in this conversation. We're not getting both sides. You're hearing my side. You're hearing style side. You're hearing noodle side, but we're not hearing the victim side. And I think that it, That's that's just as much error as only hearing the victim side. Yeah, not saying that this isn't a great thing. I mean, this is this is amazing. This is, I think, this is a step in the right direction.
1: For sure, for sure. Even even if it is, even if it it would be considered a a contraband chronicle, (laughs) 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 that's that's so crazy, man. It's the the guy. The guards are crazy <laughs> they did the, yeah, you, but, the
0: whole
1: yeah i mean they 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 would bring in so much stuff it's not even it's and even in the federal system it's like when they when they made tobacco uh uh illegal in most prisons, all they did was was made it easy a a a a black market so the guards could you know make more money. Uh, and, and not catch a drug case if they got caught. They just lose their job. Right. That's it. You know what I mean? They, they wouldn't get drug charges on top of that for smuggling in, uh, you know, whatever kind of drugs. Right. And then now you add, a, add, fun, right, add phones to that. Now it's even, I mean, probably, I think they were charging back when I was uh, there is $500 for a bag of bugler that you had have to pay the guard. For a, for like a ten, it's like fifteen bucks. You can get a bag of of uh, a, a bugler and in you know a, a smoke shop.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well, you know and I I think that that has to happen because number one you're not paying your COs enough money to be out of the poverty level, so they have to do something to supplement their income. A lot of these guards, they have kids, they have families, they have everything, and you're supporting them on you know, somewhere between 20 to $40,000 a year and nobody can live on that.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. Cause up here in California, they like, they make a lot of money. They're like, they make like like 120 to 160 a year. You know, some of them even make up to 200,000 just because of all the overtime they get.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I need to move to California.
1: <laughs> you know, now I'm talking about the prison guards that that's what they're making what? up here right you know so yeah i mean it's uh it's great well i mean i think it's pretty cool what you're doing um you know don't get caught <laughs> you you know uh and and you know the the podcast idea that that that's pretty uh i wouldn't i would have never thought about that
0: <laughs> right yeah we just we want to open conversation um we want to present the positive side of prison we we want to present the rehabilitation and the mindset that justice can be done correctly and we can change to be the men that society want us to be or wants us to be and um that from there we can move on along with society into creating a better system
1: so here's an idea for you have you have you guys ever heard of uh, uh, the Ear Hustle podcast? No, we haven't. Okay, that is a legit podcast that's being done in San Quentin um, by inmates. So, oh, wow. if you do, you have like somebody like a cre- like a art, a creative department there, or you know, like a, a radio type broadcasting. Uh, there in the facility that you're at, at.
0: not at all in fact um, from what I understand there was a college that wanted to come in and basically offer the, not just this person but the whole state they wanted to do like a videography type thing where inmates could film each other and talk about what's going on and stuff and the state completely shut them down they did not want that in their facilities
1: Hmm. That's crazy. Well, check it out. It's called the ear hustle podcast. Uh, the, the, the guy that, no, it's different now. Uh, it's one of them. So the guy that actually started it, he, you know, they got like three or four seasons out of it. And I think, uh, he had, he was a lifer and he got his sentence commuted because the outgoing governor of California somehow got you know wind of his story his situation and what he was doing and he commuted his sentence on his way out oh wow and and so the the lady that that was worked at the uh the creative department that was helping them do all of this uh she stayed on uh because that's that's her job and they have a new uh a new uh, host for it. And then he's still collaborate. He's out and he's still collaborating with stories from guys that, that uh, are out and, and their struggles that they're, they're having.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that would be beautiful. And I think that that's, that's what we need. We, we need conversation. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we need to start using social media for for good things instead of uh, stuff that doesn't matter, or you know, uh, fighting amongst each other and you know, the right, the left, this, that, this team, that team. You know what I mean? It's just there's there's so much there's so much static, you know, that that's keeping people uh, away from you. You know what I mean? Kind of to to where they can't hear each other.
0: Right. And I, I think that that's, I mean, a lot of that is a mix of just not having time and not having the need. Um, we know the mother of invention is need. And in here we see a need for conversation. We see a need for communication. And we see the ability through the internet and now, like I said, three legal cell phones to start that conversation. And you have to balance the risk versus reward. And I think the three of us came together and decided the risk does not outweigh the reward in this situation. And that the reward is is maybe a few people here in our conversation and minds being changed as to what should be done as society or as a society with regards to the criminal justice system.
1: Yeah, that's great, man. And uh that that's definitely a good way to uh to pursue what what you're doing. And uh yeah, thanks for having the courage to uh to share with my audience um you know your stories. And uh we'll be definitely uh staying in touch and uh I will, you know, I'll do a do 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 some update uh episodes here every every now and now and again cuz I do circle around to some of my guests that that were interesting.
0: Right. Yeah. That would be great. Um, anytime that you or anybody else wants to have a conversation, we are completely open to it. So, All right. We're excited to be here. We're excited that you gave us a voice today. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No problem. You're welcome. And, uh, like, so obviously normally this would be where I, you know, ask the guests if they wanted to share any of their social media or, or anything like that. Um, I don't know where, where you are with that, but I mean, your podcast that you put out you know, we got like four episodes. I was listening to one of them today, uh, before we, uh, before we, uh, got on, I was listening to, uh, which relationships and, uh, the one about relationships and, and inside. Right.
0: That's, that's our pilot episode. And actually what happened was I'm, I'm just learning social media. Um, that's the same episode. It's, it's worth the same episode. um, Unfortunately, I had a problem where the file corrupted when I uploaded it, and we just had a lot of problems. So that is all the same episode. Um, We've only done one, but we are going to be producing another one this weekend. But yeah, definitely please share our our Facebook, and uh, hopefully we can get some people to hear us.
1: Alright, so what I'll, what I'll do is I'll just have you, uh, just send, send, send anything that you're gonna want to appear in the show, no, show notes to me, uh, uh, through Messenger. Or I'll give you my, okay. I'll give you my email address and then you can just, you, you can email it to me if you want as well.
0: Okay, either way works.
1: Alright, well, Noodles, Sal and, uh, Jimmy, it was great talking to you. You guys, uh, stay safe. Um, you know, wash your hands. Because, you know, it's probably you're not you're not immune from from that virus going there either.
3: <clears throat> All right. Thanks for having us, Sean. Thank you. All,
1: right, All right, guys. Thank you. Take right. it easy. Bye.
3: All right. You you bye bye. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you to Sal, Jimmy, and Noodles for sharing their stories and uh, taking a risk to uh, be with me here today. Yeah, I mean, definitely a unique situation. Uh, being able to have an interview with individuals that are sitting in in uh, in prison right now. I don't know what I would. I, I probably would have figured out some way of doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of crazy so what i forgot to mention in the intro on this one was i am now not every single one of these episodes uh all of the zoom interviews that i'm doing i'm recording so they will be available on youtube so i mean basically just me and the other person on like a zoom screen each so you can see us both So I'm going to start adding that as well. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, go to the link tree at the bottom of the show notes and follow that to the merchandise tab and go and check out what we got, mugs, uh, T-shirts, stickers magnets, uh, cell phone cases, uh, whatever this, uh, online company offers is set up for the show, uh, the show art and a couple of other things that I got on there. I actually bought some and it should be here in like a week. So on some of these zoom interviews, I'll be wearing, uh, the merchandise that I get or the, the, the three things that I've bought and I'll, uh, share that or wear it or share it, uh, on the, on the video. I've got a lot of, uh, content coming out, uh, coming up. You know, just this uh, last week, I've got eight interviews that I've done so far. This week, I have 10 scheduled. A lot of uh, authors are coming on the show. So, lots going on. Pretty busy. Uh, I should be trying to shoot out. I'm, I may just end up upping my... from 400 and go to the next level uh, on my hosting platform. That way, I can uh, just blast out as many as i can i need to get these download numbers up so yeah that's about it man just uh we'll hope everybody had a happy easter um uh, everybody stayed safe it's still saying stay still se- staying safe social distancing forced celibacy whatever you want to call it yeah i hope everybody's uh doing well and uh i will be talking to you soon but until then keep it 100 Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise.